Abba Yahweh, again, the sharing of your word, your truth, your knowledge, and your wisdom. Thank you for this time, Father. Thank you for your confirming spirit. Thank you, Father, for sharing your truth, knowledge, and wisdom with me so that I can share it with others, Father. Thank you for my being a conduit to bring that, to bless others. Father God, you bless me in that. Thank you for this opportunity, Father. So, I am truly blessed because our Heavenly Father gives me the opportunity to do this thing that he's called me to do. And sometimes you've heard me get a little rattled and agitated because so many people are so absolutely piteous and that they won't do anything. They won't lift their finger for anything as if they don't, nothing is required of them. Eh, God's got it. Bible says we win. And again, playing that armchair quarterback thing. It's true, but it also says that we should be willing to do. I mean, come on. God came, manifest himself here in this plane of existence and was crucified for us. And you're going to convince me that you read the Bible and it says that we win, but we nothing because you're sitting back. You won't go to prayer, prayer meetings. You don't go to anything other than Sunday, and that's maybe once a quarter if the kids beg you to go. And this goes for husbands or wives. doesn't make any difference because it can go either way. And you won't do anything because we win. Well, there's a whole lot of we going on to it if you're not willing to put anything effort into does it sound like I'm going to try to do some well shameful thing well that's not what I'm doing I'm just telling you the truth if you feel ashamed for it that's your problem not mine you need to do something about it I'm making a point I'm making a valid point I'm being very truthful the Lord stepped down off of his throne. He was in the kingdom of heaven and could very well have destroyed the world again because he did it once with the flood. He could have done it another way. Instead, he said, I can't do that. I don't want to do that again. I love... The children, they have, I want them to have an opportunity. I want to give them a way out. And when it talks about um, temptations and things that we go through in this plane of existence that we're on, God always provides a way for us to get out. There is always a way. There is always a way. Do we ask? No. We don't. And then we gripe about it later on. 
and we declare that God needs to fix it. Well, I've shared this with you about that. God does not run a complaint department and it's not up to him if you keep busting it up to have him to fix it all. You have to be willing to, and, and again, I speak in a mirror. I'm not just lecturing because this goes for me as well. I have to talk to God. We have to talk to God. We have to make it known to him. You don't just sit back and wait for God to fix stuff. You have to you have to make a little effort. But here's the thing that I am going to share primarily because this is one of those things I've shared with you before about confirming spirit. And I've talked to you in regards to my lead pastor sharing the slowing down and how we are just in such a so full of hustle and bustle. Well, another another gentleman sharing, and, and I get this from material in my studies, and he's talking about, uh, I shared something with you uh, a bit ago. Um, he's talking about the monastic lifestyles, or what some people call the uh, mas mas uh, monasticism. Sorry about that. I had to wrap my tongue around that. But there are people that don't really get that because they say that, oh, they don't want to have to live like that. They don't want to have to, you know, do and give up. And Well, here's the thing. It doesn't have anything to do with being a pauper, being celibate, doing all these stuff. Those are lifestyles that monks have chosen to participate in and certain things that they go to furthering their walk. But what we're talking about here in monasticism is simply separating apart from this lifestyle that we are in and many of us choose to take part in instead of separating and taking time to spend with God. And I've shared with you already that David was a very contemplative person. He spent a lot of time with God, writing poetry for God, singing for God, and a lot of these things he gave of his time. And you have to understand too, and there's a lot of people, yeah, well, David this and David that and David. Well, yeah, there's a lot of folks that do a lot of this and a lot of that. And it seems that individuals are willing to look at all the negative that somebody's involved in. But hear me and hear God. Because God told Samuel the very same thing. You choose him because he is a man after my own heart. I choose him. So you 
will choose him. Samuel anointed David to be king. Not because he was going to go down and choose him. And God told Samuel, ah, this is my choice. You do it because I'm telling you to do it. You don't look for his stature. You don't look for his handsome comeliness. Any that, that doesn't matter. The character of his heart is what draws me to David and what draws David to me. David was a man after God's own heart. He wasn't perfect and he did some things, but he always came back to God. He was a penitent man of God. He repented. And God told him, one of the things that he told David, and this is why, you know, I am living a consequential lifestyle. David was not allowed to build a temple. This was a great desire that David had. He drew the plans for it. He did the architecture. And he wanted to build the temple. Well, God told him, you're not going to. And he reminded him of some of the things that were not good and one that was really bad. If you remember, he sent one of his generals because he wanted his wife. And he sent him to the forefront of the battle, which had never been done before. And David told his field commanders, make sure he gets out in front. Because if he gets out there, I know how he is. I've been in battle with him. And God reminded David of that. David was penitent. He, he repented and that was bad. But God told me, he said, for these things, these things that you have done, you will not build my temple. Now, David could have stomped around. He could have thrown a tantrum. He could have kicked things, broke things, and thrown stuff around. And then, and like many of the Jews, when they came out of Egypt, whenever they didn't get something their way, what was one of the first things they did? They shut their fists at heaven, complained to Moses, complained to God. But David didn't do that. He knew. He knew that he had done these things and he knew that what God was saying, beside the fact that this was Lord God Almighty, that God is just in what he did. Of course he wasn't going to let him do that. He didn't get mad. He didn't get angry. What did he do? He took the plans for the temple and he made sure that they went and pass on to Solomon. And Solomon was instructed to build the temple according to the plans that his father had done. Brothers and sisters, this is important here, and I, I digress and I sidestep a little bit, but the important thing that we have to remember is that David's contemplative attitude, he was always taking time, making time, spending time with God. And in Psalm 27, verse 4, David, he writes this, 
One thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. What does that mean? That means he wants to spend time and he's, without using the word, it's contemplative time. He's going to go in. He wants to have time with God and he wants God to teach him, to inquire. He's got things he wants to know. Brethren and sisters, I've shared this with you before and I'll share it with you now. Ask not, ye receive not. If you don't ask the Heavenly Father, the Heavenly Father is willing to give you anything within righteousness and reasoning as long as it's within his will to do so, and he will. But if you don't ask, it's not going to happen. You have to ask. It's a very, very easy thing to figure out. God wants a personal relationship, and part of that personal relationship is that you learn to talk to God, spend time with God, and be personal with him. David wrote poems and songs, and David was a... Mm, a soother when he played his music. Remember that he played the harp for Saul because Saul was a, um, Saul was a bit of a um, split personality individual. You might say, if you go back and read the story, Saul was, Saul was, Saul was um, a strange one. And part of the problem that with the nation was that he was that way around others and pretty much everyone. And David would soothe him with his music and play songs for him to calm him down because if he didn't, he would liable to do something. And if you remember, Saul kind of lost his head there and threw a spear at David. Now, the songs that David wrote and the songs that he played were that um, very soulful, quieting, soothing type of music. And when we read some of the Psalms, I'm not sure I marked this one. I may not have. I got to be kind of careful here because my father's study Bible is finally showing some age, I have to get a binder to uh, do some reparation on this for me. Um, but if we go to Psalm, we're going to go over here to a couple of the Psalms because these are pertinent, informative. So I'm going to go to Psalm 62, verse 5. And this has to do with waiting on God. My soul, wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. 
And if we go to Psalm 131, verse 2, David is also talking about being silent and just waiting. Surely I behaved and quieted myself as a child that is weaned of his mother. My soul is even as a weaned child. What is David talking about? He's telling himself to be quieted, to not be agitated and to wait on God, silently, patiently waiting on God. In the book of Psalms, actually there's an old, there's an old term for, it's called a Psalter, P-S-A-L-T-E-R. It's a, it's an old term for a psalm book song book, a hymnal, but specifically the book of Psalms are all about David's poems and the songs that he wrote to worship God, and he plays out for them. And this is important because the next portion of what I have to share with you has to do with confirming spirit, and I've shared that with you before, and that my lead pastors talked about this on slowing down, taking it slow. And this, my study book that I was uh, sharing from, um, portion there, is talking about the same thing. And that's why I brought up that um, monasticism, quieting. You don't have to go into celibacy and do all the other stuff that the monks do, but take and make time to be silent to be in prayer with God, to wait on God, to, to pray and listen. God will talk to you, but people get all pent up and they go in there and they pray and then they look at their watch and two minutes are up. Well, I haven't heard anything from God, so I'm out of here. Well, that's not the way it works. That's not the way it works. Waiting on God. There are scriptures about that throughout the Bible. And the reason that they're there is because of this, mm, this frenetic, distracted, frenzied lifestyle that we live in. Some of you have heard that word before. Maybe some of you haven't. Some of you younger folks may not have ever heard that word before. Frenetic. F-R-E-N-E-T. N-E-T-I-C. Frenetic. It has to do with frenzied. Always in a frenzy. Always your... There were some places that I lived, quite honestly. It was really... It was almost odd in the way that they moved around. It was frenzied. They lived a frenzied lifestyle. It was had to go, had to go, had to go, 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 go. And it wasn't just, it wasn't just to get the kids to school, it wasn't to go to work. It was, had to be going, going, going and doing something all the time. And some of it was just empty. Almost, they could, 
possibly now i don't know i didn't ever climb in their backyard and look but they might have had a pole with a rope on it and they tied it to a bike and just drove around in a circle as fast as they could possibly go and they'd be happy doing that and they'd do it for an hour two hours and it wasn't for exercise it was just because they had to move and then of course as i got older when you saw things like that going on in the neighborhood, then they thought they had a drug house going on. Too much traffic, too much activity, too much go, 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 go. Well, there were times when people used to do that and it had nothing to do with that. It was just, that was their lifestyle. Frenetic, had to be moving, had to go. Moving too fast, had to be doing something. But brothers and sisters, we do that. And here's the interesting thing. Um, the word comes from a French word, frenetique, also comes from Latin and Greek, which are very similar, freneticus in the Latin, and freneticos in Greek. The Greeks have it more specifically, um, it talks about insanity of the mind. They were, they were being pointed and literal to this. You get so much stuff going on up in the head and it gets to bouncing around in there. It's as if you take a, and some of you younger people probably never ever heard of this before, but we used to like them when we were a kid. They used to make this uh, thing called the Super Bowl. I'm not sure who got this idea or what it came from directly, but it was made of a really super dense, hard rubber, and you could literally, if you threw it down on the ground as hard as you could, you could get that thing to bounce as tall as a building. And we used to play around with them out in the playground at school, and our school was from the from the playground, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six stories from there because it was sort of a split-level building, an old building that was built up there. And in the back of the school, if you slam that thing in the, into the playground, it would bounce as, as tall as the building, six stories. Well, I bring that up because this is kind of like what goes on in somebody's frenetic mind when they've get, they're so agitated with all this stuff that's going on. It's as if somebody has taken one of those things and thrown it in the door on the side of their head and then shut the door real quick and then all this stuff just bounces around like crazy inside their head. But it's thoughts and things that are things that they think that they have to do, things that they need to do, or they think they need to do. They want to get done. They wanted this, they wanted that. They got to, oh man, I got to do this. If I don't do this, it's, it's going to happen. And then their outside their mind starts to get that sort of frenzied notion and that motion going. And they're not really necessarily crazy, but that's that comes from a Greek translation, insanity of the mind. And when you look around in this plane of existence that we walk on, look at the look at the pace that everybody moves. It's they're in a hurry to get somewhere. And and our our pastor is saying, we need to slow down. We need to slow up. Take time. Part of the reason that so many people claim that they can't, they don't get time with God because they don't make time. And they say that God doesn't come. Well, are you waiting? 
Are you waiting when you talk to God? Are you giving him more than 30 seconds, 45 seconds to respond? Are you just sitting there and thinking about him for a little bit? I have to practice doing that more because I, I'm doing it a lot more than what I used to, but I think I need to do it even more. I'm an old guy. I have medical issues and medications and things, and I'm not working the way I used to. And there's folks that don't understand what's going on in my life, but that's okay because they don't know me. They think they do, but there are very few that do. Me and my dogs, we hang out and we do our things here. I'm at this study with God. I love this, the word time. And I've shared with you that God spends time with me and he comes to me because he loves me. And he's letting me know that what I'm doing is what he wants me to do. He's, he's counting on me, not just counting me. He's counting. God wants to count on every one of us. He calls us, but there are those that he can't count on or he doesn't count on because they've made it very abundantly clear that their lifestyle doesn't allow for time to Bible study, anything extra in church other than maybe every third or fourth Sunday. And they're darn sure not going to go out and testify. They're not going to do any prayer walking and they're not going to do any testifying of, of their personal relationship with God because they don't have one. Their personal relationship is in the recliner at the house. They pull that lever, they kick back and maybe they got a bottle of beer in their hand, a bottle of soda, whatever their beverage of choice is. Doesn't make any difference. But that's where they're spending their time. And they got a jumbotron television that takes up an entire wall in their patio or doorway, whatever, and they, they watch this 80 cubic inch TV or whatever, I don't know, just massive. Covers the entire wall. And they had to have one of those because couldn't watch a game any other way. It's gracious. I remember the first television we ever had was a nine-inch oval black and white. We used to love watching the Westerns and all that, and the brothers would have to, the older one would have to get up the ladder and turn the aerial around on the roof for the house to get a clear picture. And, and then we figured out how to hook up a wire and the foil to the rabbit ears. And dude, see, there's, there's terms that some of you will and some of you won't understand. Those are a little inside intended. You can adjust it anyway. <laughs> now they have these big, smarter-than-everybody TVs, and they, they call them the smart TV to go along with the smartphone. Why do they call them the smartphone? They're pretty stupid, actually, because they, um, they don't warn you when you're getting ready to step off the curb with the headphones in and wired up to the thing, and you're going to go out in traffic. They give you any kind of warning to let you know that traffic's coming, and you shouldn't do that? No. They just keep on and you just keep pushing buttons and then off the curb you go and right out into traffic and then a horn, the car honks their horn at you and you get upset and you flip them the bird as if it's all their fault. So that smarter than you, our telephone, didn't help you out very well. And when you get down in the middle of the big tall buildings and they're filled with iron girders and all that stuff your GPS doesn't work on and has that phone figured out how to keep working and give you directions 
when the interference doesn't allow the signal? No. So, that's not really a very smartphone, actually. You can get some information, but a lot of times it's, um, it's either backlogged or it uh, does that thing called buffering, seems fairly often. And sometimes getting on this thing just gets really frustrating. So quite honestly, why do they call them a smartphone or a smart TV? It's just some kind of electric gadget that you sit down, you push a button. Remote control for our television set used to be the youngest one in line. That would be me. And I'd have to get up and change the channel. But brothers and sisters, what I'm, what I'm, the point I'm really directing is that we don't we do a lot of things without interacting with anyone else, without checking on anything else. We're we're in such a um, we're in such a fast pace, and most everyone moves at that frenetic pace. They they've got to be going someplace. They've got to be doing something. They gotta 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 go 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 go. And. Quite honestly, I used to be that way. I used to be just like that. And not so much anymore. I mean, unfortunately, my motorcycle isn't running, and so I can't go to do that. But the primary reason for that was to get back and forth to church or to go do my shopping. And I didn't have to get to go to a whole lot of places. I... There was no need for it. I go to work, I come home. Go shopping. Bible study. Get to church. Brother and sister, what I'm trying to get you to focus on and pay attention to is to slow down and don't be in such a hurry to go someplace and get something because you know what? Why? Is there really a point to that? And I've shared with you before that people will get their day planners so chock full of things that they got to get done by this date, by this date, by this date, by this date. Why? Well, because if I don't do it then, then I'm not going to get to go do that. And I'm not going to get to do this. And everything, that, everything is hinging upon something else that they have to get done at such and such a time to be able to do such and such a thing. And what does Christ tell us? Not to worry about tomorrow. It doesn't do any bit of good for us to do that. Why? Because you can't add any more time to your life. You can't add anything else to your life in doing that. So what is most important is to get that frenetic attitude out of your mind. Just be gone with it and take time to spend with God and slow down, slow down. You don't have to absolutely stop, although that's kind of a good thing too, but just slow down. You don't have to move so fast all the time. You really don't. And I'm gonna share this, this is kind of an anecdotal thing. I'm gonna share with you, when I was driving commercially, I was driving an 18 wheeler and um, I used to go border to border, coast to coast, and all that. And I used to think that I had to be doing all. There was a time where I was, I was doing three logbooks, totally illegal, um, but so that I could just stay moving. 
I felt like I had to move, had to go, had to go, 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 go. Uh, if I wasn't going, 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 I wasn't going to make money, 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 money. But the thing of it is that that was ridiculous and wasn't accurate information. If I did legally, and I, did, and I learned, and I figured out that if I did legally and I just pushed the time and I rested when I needed to, I slept when I needed to, and I took the time that I needed to, and I just made sure that I was going where I needed to go. And I was, I, I maintained a top rating all the time. Which then the company started rewarding me and that I could go, if I saw a route or something that I wanted to go sightsee a little bit, and I knew that the roadway would take me by there, they gave me permission to go as long as my delivery was where it needed to be on time. And they knew that I'd always do that. I always came through for them. So they permitted me to do it. And here was the bonus for that. They paid me. So it wouldn't matter the miles as long as it was within what they allowed. They paid me for the miles that I drove. As long as the load got to where it was supposed to be up to. And it always was. But on this one particular trip, I was heading from the um, East Coast to the West Coast. I was going to the Los Angeles uh, Market Basin. And I was driving. And along come these, I hear this squawk on the CB radio. And along comes this, um, all of a sudden, this great big canary yellow Peterbilt monster. I could, I almost, I could hear the CB radio, but then I almost heard the motor before I saw it. They ran big tractor motors, uh, big diesels. Caterpillar motors, Detroit diesels, usually found in big bulldozers and things like that. That's why, that's why the term tractor. So anyway, this guy comes flying by and he's just barreling by and here come two more right behind him. And I can hear him just chattering away on the CB radio all the time. Flying down the road. And then... Uh, you know, I heard one of them ask what he was doing, and he was talking about uh, in the upper double digits, which means that they were on the way up on, the, they weren't quite at 100 yet, but they were way on the upper scale over the speed limit and flying. And before I realized, I look up to see whether they were out of sight already. So they were doing probably pretty close to 80 or possibly better. And then a funny thing happened. I stopped got fuel, took a shower, ate dinner, and got going down the highway. And lo and behold, I hear this chatterbox on the radio again, and here come the zoomies. Here they come again, but they were behind me. They got up and they passed me again. This went on for, oh, probably six or eight times. They were flying so fast, but they always wound up behind me. So when I got to my destination in the Los Angeles Basin to make my delivery, um, and I got to the gate, the big yellow truck was inside and had already backed up to the dock. They were going to the same place that I was going. And based on what I was watching and observing them, they had only been there probably 10 minutes, before me, maybe. So the big yellow truck had just finished backing in and was getting out to take his paperwork in. The next guy that was in line in the hot rod guys, 
he was getting set up to back into the dock. And the third guy that was with him, he was behind me at the security gate. So all that hot rodding and burning fuel and that speed, that frenetic speed, that frenetic pace that they had to have on the freeway to get there, get there, get there, get there. And we got there pretty much at the same time. What I'm saying, you don't need to be moving that fast. What's that old song? Slow down, you're moving too fast. Got to make this time with God last. And that's not the way the song goes, but I'm paraphrasing and changing it. Um, I can't even remember who sings it now. Slow down, you're moving too fast. Got to make this morning last. Who? Anyway, feeling groovy, something like that. But you got to slow down and make the time that you have with God last. So let's go here to, we're going to go to... Um, Psalm 37, fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. Remember that word iniquity, wicked, evil, they just, anything bad they can do, they're going to do it. No justice. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as a green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. And he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light and thy judgment as the noonday. 37.7. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Don't worry about what they're doing and that they're getting away with it. Brother, sister, that's not what matters. That doesn't matter. It really, really doesn't matter. And then, of course, they're going to say, well, sure it does. Well, what if, what if, what if, what if? Well, my God is even if, even if, even if. It really, it doesn't matter enough that you're going to get so agitated and get so worked up about something that seemingly they're constantly getting away with. Thirty-seven, eight. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil, for evildoers shall be cut off. But those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. For yet a little while, and the wicked shall not be. Yea, thou shalt diligently consider his place, and it shall not be. So David is talking about waiting and taking time to do so. And we have Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 talks about leaning not into your own understanding. At all time, trust in the Lord. 
with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. So if you're so worked up about things that are going on and you're get, you don't even think about anything else except how to get it done. Well, you don't need to do that. And Isaiah, and Isaiah 30, and I'm going to share um, 15 through 18, actually. For thou thus saith the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest shall ye be saved. In quietness and in confidence shall be your strength, and ye would not. Now, Isaiah is prophesying and giving word, and they didn't want to pay attention to it. But ye said, no, for we will flee upon horses. Therefore shall ye flee, and we will ride upon the swift. Therefore shall they that pursue you be swift. And he's telling them, yeah, okay, you're going to go ahead, and you're, you got this frenzied attitude, and you got to go, 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 and you're going to get on these horses, and you're going to take off. Well, guess what? They've got fast horses, they've got fast chariots, and they're going to come too. But in 30, 15 and 18, in 30, uh, verse 18, and therefore will the Lord wait that he may be gracious unto you. And therefore will he be exalted that he may have mercy upon you. For the Lord is a God of judgment. Blessed are all they that wait for him. Don't be moving so fast. Slow down. Take a moment. And then we have, this is a great one. This is in um, Isaiah 40, 31. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint because they're not all wore out from having to keep up that frenzied pace, thinking that they got to go, 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 go. And when they try to walk like that, they just get wore out and they get frazzled. And we have, I'm going to share with you from Isaiah 64. Isaiah 64, 4. For since the beginning of the world, men have not heard, nor perceived by the ear, neither had the eye seen. O God, beside thee, what he hath prepared for him that wait for him. Wait upon the Lord. He will give you strength. He will give you endurance. And if you need 
ask. Ask. It's pretty simple, really. And you know and in limitations three twenty two. I'm gonna share this with you. This is a, um, there's several verses, um, 3, 22 through 25, actually. I'm going to read the whole thing. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. There's, a, there's an old hymnal. Um, and I love the song. Sometimes I sing and it just makes me cry. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him. To the soul that seeketh him. What do I tell you almost every single time? I share with you the truth, the knowledge, and the wisdom that God gives me and allows me to be a conduit. Hear the words that I share with you, but listen to the message and then go to the word of God and seek his face. Seek him out. Take time to be with him. If you make time for him, he will take time for you. He will do so. In Philippians 4, Philippians 4 and 6, be careful for nothing, but to everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Um, in that language, it, to be careful for nothing, that translates to anxious. Don't be so caring about everything that goes on that it, that it gets you all worked up and anxious that it's got to be. Verse 7, further, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and your mind through Christ Jesus. Remember that a lot of those folks that get in that frenzied state, they get all worked up and they got these things going on in their head. Now, this next one I'm going to share with you. Where did I go here? Did I mark it wrong? No, oh, I'm so sorry. I think I did. Oh, my goodness. I think I'm... Ah, nope. Now, this is... Uh, 
This is an old language, so some of you are going to misunderstand this, and I'll explain to you. Um, James 5 and 11. Behold, we count them happy, which endure. Wait. Make it. Continue. Ye have heard of the patience of Job, and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. Well, let me clarify this with you, because that word pitiful, some people will have a total misunderstanding of that. And the word has been altered and changed. And But the old translation to that, what that meant is, and uh, my sidebar I wrote, I've got over here, it is the divine compassion and mercy. And Jesus was all of that. In the old language, when you say that somebody is that way, and in speaking of Jesus, he was merciful and he was compassionate. He showed that. It wasn't that he was in a pitiful state and yeah, he was homeless and all that, and he would have stayed in houses when he was invited. But we're talking about Jesus our Lord and Savior who came and died for us. And there were other things that were going on besides him needing to eat food. So, brothers and sisters, that's an important sharing with you that I have in that we need to be mindful of this pace that we're in. It doesn't need to be high speed and constantly in six gear overdrive so that we are moving as fast as we can. There's no reason to. So let me ask you this about that. If you get to tomorrow any faster, does that mean that all that stuff that you loaded up your day planner is going to be less? Doubtful, huh? Still going to be there and maybe even find more. So, what's the point? That doesn't mean to be lazy bones about anything. But that means that you don't fill up your day planner full of all this stuff that you need to get done by such and such time so that you can get more stuff added into it and get something else done. Get more stuff done to get more stuff put in it. And that's generally what happens. Hurry up and get it done so that you can hurry up and do more. What's the point? Really? And I've asked this to some of my patriots. And you know what their answer is? Uh, well, I really don't know. 
then why are you in such a hurry to get it? Well, I just, I don't know. And it's as if they had never put their minds, processors to work at figuring that out. Why are they hurrying up to get all of this done? What purpose does it serve? And their answer to self was, it doesn't. Well, if it's not serving a purpose, then why are you moving that way? And you claim to not have time for the kids. You claim to not have time for the wife or the wife that doesn't have time for the husband or the kids. And it's all about go, 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 go. And it's sad that more people don't consider the scriptures. And I have to take a point, and I'm trying to practice this more, and that we find that in the Bible, James talks about our lives being but a mist or a vapor. And we are told that tomorrow is not promised. Many of us just take life absolutely for granted. And I share this with you, and this is truth. Go to the scripture and find it if you don't want to take my word for it. We are because God's grace. We continue because of his mercy. Guaranteed, if God was not a merciful God, he didn't have to let us continue. Are you so worthy that everything that you have done through life that you deserve to continue on? Just a ponderance. So the point being that continue giving thanks to God for his grace, for his tender mercies, for the breath in your lungs. I thank him for this opportunity that he's blessed me with to share time with y'all and to be in his word and to be spending time in his watch. This is this is God's watch. This is according to the old scroll, scrolls. This is God's watch. What in modern days we call the graveyard shift. And God comes with me to this place. Brothers and sisters, you are in my prayers. Am I going out? Am I coming in? I do pray for you. Any of you out there that you want to talk to talk to Jesus, have him come in and change your heart, help you with addictions, healings, talk to, it doesn't take pop and circumstance. You don't have to have a big brass band, march down an aisle to do something. You can do it by yourself. You can do it with me here and now. You can do it by yourself. You can do it with a very close and dear friend. I know many of you don't, you don't know me, you won't know me. You won't know if if you accept the Lord and you make it to heaven, we'll know each other. 
because as we will know one another, we'll be able to do that. And that'll be pretty awesome. But all you have to do is Jesus come into my heart. I am weak and I want to change. I want your strength. I want you to guide me and teach me. I want you to live in my heart, change my heart, guide me. Heavenly Father, God, I want to have faith in you. I want you to come and spend time with me. I want to make time with you. Holy Spirit, guide my steps. Teach me. Guide me. Help me understand. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. 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 That's all it takes. Brothers and sisters, you are in my prayers daily going out and coming in. Be blessed.